We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Let's do it. I got Wildeberg here with me to run through our 2021 NBA draft big boards. If you guys don't know Will, Will and I go way back, and I've convinced him again this year to bring his basketball coach brain onto the pod. Watching the film of these draft prospects for the 2021 class, Will's a longtime coach here locally in St. Paul at the University of St. Thomas. So he actually watches film for a job, unlike me, who just watches synergy of, of these players. Uh, Will, I'm, I'm excited to do this again. We did it last year during the pandemic, of course. And uh, I thought this class kind of proved to be more difficult than, than last year. A very different exercise than it was for the 2020 class. Can we, can we just kind of start there of how you know, how we put together our big boards last year versus this year. Cause I do think I found these group of the 14 players that I ranked this season to be a lot different than last year. I agree. I think, I mean, for me, there felt like way more guys this year who I wanted to put in the lottery versus la- <laughs> yeah. versus last year. I was kind of searching like on the back end to fill it, you know? Right, right. Um, so I just think this, that just speaks to the quality of this draft, the depth of this draft. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good draft for a reason. So, you know, I think, and we'll get to this as we kind of get to the second half of the lottery. I'm not saying, I I felt that same way to some extent last year when we were just kind of trying to find guys to fill out the back of the lottery. What I will say in this back of this lottery, it's not like I see the guys I ranked like seven or eight to 14. I don't, I don't really see a ton of like, or really any sort of star upside with those type of guys. I think it was just more, a bunch of role players or like a deeper stock of role players, but I really wouldn't call this class great outside of the top, you know, five prospects where last year, right. It was kind of like, it's kind of similar to last year, I guess, in a way where, you know, it was LaMelo Ant and Wiseman this year. I think we have five guys kind of um, at the top there. And then, yeah, I, I, I wasn't like tempted to put, any of my late lottery guys up against a, you know, a Jalen Suggs or a sure. whatever, a, a Scotty Barnes or anything like that. I, I did kind of find a, a line in the sand. You know, I think in this 
you can probably say this about a lot of drafts, but you, you got your top five or six who I think all you see very clear paths to becoming a star. Mm-hmm. And then I think what makes this draft so good is I, I have a hard time seeing guys from, call it, I don't know, seven or eight to 20. I have a hard time seeing those guys not succeed in the NBA, not necessarily be stars, right. but there's a bunch of those guys and you could put them in any which order, but it's just, I look at, I look at the list and it's like watching the film for as long as we did. It just, it's hard to see a world in which those guys aren't successful quality NBA players. Yeah. Where, where they can play, they all have holes, but kind of like the things that buoy them, you have confidence that that's going to keep them afloat in, yeah. in the league. I'm curious too, after we get through this, what guys outside the top, cause I think we we're going to have a similar top five. Um, right. We're gonna have a similar, I, I think we're gonna have a similar board, but I'm curious to know, guys say seven through 14 which of those guys ranking those guys based on star potential versus because I think this draft a little bit too is is guys especially later in the first round there are some guys you could bet on on star potential right but there's also guys it's a lot more based on fit there's a lot of Mm plug-in guys I think later in the lottery that it kind of depends on the team Um, and then there are a few guys too where it's like you know he's he's the you know just the upside guy yeah, I think it's about like what do you believe in in, in a lot of ways where I, I think for me basically the way I go through it is I am looking for guys with a reasonable amount of star potential and, and that's what kind of fills out the top of my board. But but then I think once you kind of run out of the guys that have any sort of like all-star potential, then it becomes you know interest, an interesting question about like how much do I believe in a back-to-the-basket center like Shen Goon? How much do I believe or what do I believe the value is of a player who you know I don't know call it a a core Kispert who kind of looks like to be probably just a shooter in the league you know or how how much in the modern day NBA is it important for a like how much does it hurt to be a six foot tall player like Davion Mitchell you know there's a lot of questions like that that obviously we're assessing them as prospects here but you kind of have to ask yourself like how do these types of process does this archetype of prospect you know, fit in, in the modern day NBA. Cause sometimes, I mean, these are all great players. It's, it's about how are you going to fit in a league with the best athletes, with the biggest players, you know, in the world. Cause they'll all, I mean, they'll all be playing professional basketball for a long time and at, you know, at a high level, but at this highest level at the most like athletic, the most, the most athletic league, it's, it's interesting. And I think that as, as we move on in the years, you got to really, got to really just count those things in. You, you can't just be like, oh, this guy like balled out in college. Like it's going to work in the NBA. Um, we have plenty of examples of, of how that, you know, how that won't happen. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm interesting, interested to see where you, where you came down on that, but let's just start at the top. Let's go back and forth, um, on our big boards, see where we have differences, but just go, you go one, I go one and just let each other know where the player we picked if it's different where they are, we'll just kind of roll through it. So who did you have at number one? Might shock, it might shock you, but it's the guy, guy we've talked about throughout these is Cade Cunningham. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't – again, I, I don't think it, you have to overlook a lot of decisions. Like if, if you look historically at number one draft picks, like they're, a lot of them are surefire guys, and I think he falls in that category. And I think you've anyone who's been on Twitter over the last week is like <laughs> you see the rumors where like – Houston might be trying to get him, or more so Detroit shopping it. And I just, right. I, maybe I'll be proven wrong on Thursday, but I just, I don't see a world in which they don't keep their pick and take him. For me, there's just a really big gap between Cade and anyone else in this class. Like, I, 
I, I, a line I've been hearing a lot this week or reading a lot this week is like, it's a class with three number one picks in it, right? Like and the implication being that Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley like could all be number one overall picks in a different class. Probably the implication that they would have been the number one pick last year. And I mean, I don't know if that's true or false. I just think it's a disservice to Cade Cunningham to, you know, to, to bunch him with those guys. I, I, I think he... I think he has at a level beyond them. I think you just watch him play. You know, you watch him play against the, the best teams. They played Baylor twice this year. I, I, don't, I don't know how you can watch it and tell me he isn't a player that looks like he is ready to be a primary option in, in an NBA offense. It's not, it's not that like Green or Mobley can't become a primary offensive option. I mean, it's, it's just like a proposition for them of – that proposition is more theoretical, I guess, right? Like, I need to, I need to answer – I need – Mobley to answer some questions for me before I can, I need to see him do some, some different things before I can be like, Oh yeah, he could be a primary option. I think Jalen green, a lot of it's theoretical. I was impressed by his G league tape, but I just watched Cade Cunningham take over games, running his offense as a initiator, six foot eight, huge. And I go, that looks exactly like a player who will be doing this three, four years from now in the NBA at a, at a really high level. The, the exact same things that he's putting out on the, on the college floor, I could, you know, I could see him doing at an NBA level. It, it, whereas I have questions about everyone else. Yeah, we're on the same page here. He checks every box. I think he's, he's going to be a franchise type of guy. He's going to be a yeah. guy Detroit drafts, and for the next 10 or 12 years, barring something crazy, I think he's the guy that Detroit's going to build around. Right, and... And that isn't to say that he's going to be Luca. I, I don't like when, when people put that out there. Um, you no, know, but he, you can be you can be a star right, right, and not right, right. be Luca. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that you were saying that, but I feel like that that's what yeah. You know, a lot of people. But could he? I mean, maybe he could too. That's he, the other thing. Yeah, not, I guess I wouldn't just, bet on it. Right. But again, like he's different than him. Though, again, I think. we talked about it. He's six eight with a seven foot wingspan, forty percent three point shooter, super competitive. Showed up in all these clutch moments. Teammates seem to love him. He took a very average team to, to be lo- just losing in the Big to 12. Be Baylor. To be, be Baylor. Yeah, so I don't know. To me, it's there are some things that just aren't that complicated, and this is one yeah. of them. It's a no-brainer, um, and I think you and I are on the same page. No, I, I, I do too. I mean, he's, he's number one with a bullet for me, and um, it's so much that I, you know, if some team comes out on draft night and, like, unloads, you know, a bunch of assets or – like a player, I mean, I saw like Shea Gilgis's Shea Gilgis Alexander's name like thrown out there around today. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but he's the he's the type of guy that you trade that crazy package for, where it like looks kind of nuts at the time. You're like, oh my god, they traded three first round pick, whatever to get there, but then five years later, you go, well, that was totally worth it. What type of guy would would you like? To ask the the classic hypothetical question, would you rather have Shea or Cade Cunningham, just in a vacuum, or where? What type of player would you kind of draw that line in? Yeah, I, I think. See, and I think what's what's complicated about all these things is like, you want the proven, you want to know. Yeah, like Shea is a known. I think Shea is going to be an all star in the league, but he's also at the point where he's up for his max, you know, contract extension. So, like, I, I mean, I think. I think, so Shea, Shea I think Shea's I think Shea's better right now. But I would I would totally, you know, take Cade Cunningham right now 
Aubergé because you have him on your rookie scaled contract. You have team control for, for a lot longer. I know that's, I know that's not exactly what you're asking. How about the next 12 years? Um, and if it's not Shea, throw me another name, but I'm yeah, just, no, I, I think it would be K I'd, I'd take, I'd take Cato for him because I do believe he's a, you know, I'd be pretty shocked if Cade Cunningham is not a multi-time all-star in the league. I, I think he's, I think he's one of those guys that I don't know. I, I was going to say, I think he's one of those guys when we're talking about who five years from now, who would you want to start a franchise with? I think he's in the conversation. I don't think he's the answer. You know, sure. I think you probably name off like five or eight guys. For, I mean, you know how that conversation goes. It, it flips over all the time. Um, whereas Shea is going to be an all-star in the league, but probably if he ever wins a championship, he's the second or third, probably sure. third best player on that team. Like the Drew Holiday of, yep. of the Bucks or something like that. I think with Cade Cunningham, um, he's more the Middleton, right? At that, that's what you're looking at. And then if he hits this ceiling ceiling, you know, he's, you know, he's your Kevin Durant. He's your mm-hmm. Paul George or whatever, whatever it might be in that sort of way. Somebody who, who carries the group as the number one option. Um, I'm yeah, I don't know. I, as I've dug more into it, it's, it's been surprising to me that, that there's stuff in question, um, that, that some people, Smart people have Evan Mobley over him. I, I don't get that. I think Mobley's a good prospect as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a. I'm just I'm all in on the on the Cade bandwagon. So and am I. I. And I think it makes the most sense to me. Who do you have at number two? So this is I struggled with this one quite a bit. I went back and forth. I changed it a couple times. Um, I was between Mobley and Jalen Green. I originally had Jalen Green, and then I think I texted you either last night or two nights ago. I watched. I went back and watched more Mobley mm-hmm. and I, re- I really like them both so Mobley moved up a little bit and then I ended up at a tie I was like <laughs> oh, so so pal. so it was a cop no but so but then my tiebreaker I was like let me I'm gonna take the guard I'm gonna take the wing because I think centers I don't know I just I think taking the center overall unless you know it's an Anthony Davis type or even a cat type and I think Mobley Mobley could be near that level maybe on that level mm-hmm. but it's not to me. It's again. It's a guard league. It's a wing league. Give me the guy that I think uh, he's going to score a ton. So I to answer your question. I've got Jalen Green second. I have Jalen Green too, and it was closer for me. I I also have Evan Mobley as my third. Um, so we can kind of do those together. But uh, it's but let me put it this way: it's if Mobley's better than Jalen Green, I am not going to be surprised at all. Right. I, it, it's interesting though, like going into that. It's a guard league, right? And, and and we say that, and I agree with it. That's probably why why I picked it there as well. But with Jalen Green, I, I struggle to pin down what like the the ceiling is. Where I think there's, it's very easy to see him like as a a twenty point kind of scorer. But I'm I'm confused what exactly that will look like in the NBA. Just watching, you know, having watched the film in the G League, he's playing off ball a lot. Like he's, we don't see a lot of like shooting guards, right? Who are like superstar type of players. It's funny because there really aren't a lot of shooting guards. Right? I was thinking about that too uh, this morning. Like, if you if I asked you to rattle off the top six or seven shooting guards, I think you'd have a hard time. Right, and it yeah, obviously it's tricky now with the positions are kind of like, uh, but like I, I I'm with you, and, and I, it's almost like we've made the shooting guard position a role, like a role player, 
right? Yeah. And and so I, I think initially, you know, he's gonna probably come in and he's be playing next to John Wall next year or Darius Garland or Colin Sexton. Like I think that's where Jalen Green will be. So he will be functioning like as the shooting guard, as the second the secondary primary ball handler, right? Do you think for him to reach this upside that will justify him being over Evan Mobley, does he have to someday become the main guy? Do you know what I'm saying there? Like, does he have to be the point guard? No, I don't think so. That's, I, it just feels like it will limit, you're somewhat limited. Like, if you're going to, the whole, it's a wing league, it's a wing league, right? That's this idea that you can just have your offense go through them every single time, right? And that's that's what I see Cade Cunningham do. We, you saw on his film, it's like end of the big games, they're, they're running the offense through Cade Cunningham. I wonder if Jalen Green can't be the star you're drafting him to be at two unless he develops that sort of skill set. And I don't feel like he, he has that right so now. Is that, I don't know if he's is that skill set? Is that skill set primarily – Ball handling, decision making, put him in numerous pick and rolls. Or yeah. when you say skill, develop that skill set, is that what you mean? Yeah, what he has. Right. So, yeah, when you put it like that, I mean, they ran a bunch of ball screens for him last year or right. this past year. Right. So, yeah, I w- like, could Devin Booker lead the, could he be the primary guy if yeah. he wasn't next to a Hall of Fame point guard? Probably. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think of about a guy like Jamal Murray. Like, I, I see Jamal Murray. Sure. Jamal, Jamal Murray could go to a different team with a better point guard and be change his game a little bit, right? So I think it's all about, like, those guys are, are so good, the guys we just named, that, yeah, I guess to your first question, yes, Jalen Green would need to get to that point for him to reach this worthiness of a second overall pick. Right. I, I think a lot of it for me, too, of – it was almost picking Jalen Green by default. Not that they're not both great prospects, but I think I have more questions about Mobley, and a lot of those are about the modern game. And and he's really labeled as this, like, oh, it's the modern day big. He's the, you know, he's this super switchy center who, you know, he he's going to be able to guard like whatever one through five, and 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 he's going to be able to be a seven footer who like distributes with the ball in his hands, and. And I you just, don't buy it. I, I can don't. Tell. I just don't. I I don't. I don't think we saw it a ton. What part don't you buy? Which one? Because you named you listed off a few things there: the passing, the switching. Like where? What? What concerns you the most? Right. What concerns me the most is that we decide that bigs are going to be, be go from being a great defensive player in college a great defensive prospect and that is going to translate to the NBA where they're going to be a great defensive player. I think and I think it's just a really hard position to to learn at the NBA level. I think it's such a hard job to be an elite level rim protector in the NBA. And and I think with James Wiseman last year like you know people had some questions about Wiseman or whatever but like everyone was like, well, he'll probably be a defensive player of the year someday. Is that going to happen? You know, I, it, it's just... But what, when you watch him, aside from just saying... Okay, because I, 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 I agree. I, I can being, answer that. I can answer that. So when you, because when you say 
you have these concerns about him being this elite defender because at the center position, it is really hard. And I agree with that. I, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Centers have a harder time adjusting than guards. That's why it takes these guys a couple of years to kind of fall. So when you watch his film, what stands out where you're like, ah, I don't know if that's. I just don't feel like I saw him do enough like switching and shutting people down. They ran drop coverage. They iced pick and rolls. Like this idea that he's going to be Bam Adebayo. They did everything though, and that was one of the intriguing. Like to play devil's advocate, I, I mean, they did pretty much any ball coverage you had. Like it wasn't like Florida State though. Well, where they switched, they switched. Every- but I, I, I'm not saying Evan Mobley won't be able to do it. I just don't feel like there's a, a, a ton out there where I've been like, oh, I've seen you do this a ton. I feel like I can confidently say you're going to be able to do it in the I think more likely than not, yes. But like, there's just this gray area for me where, where sometimes I think we attribute things to translate with bigs in a way that I, I, I don't think always, always comes to fruition. Like 3 and D... Whatever, like the three and D prospect guys were supposed to like lock up on the you know lock up on the perimeter guards guard two threes and small fours, like that skill set. When I watch draft prospects, almost always translates over to the NBA. Like maybe they're not going to be able to hit the threes at that at that point. I just wonder with Mobley if this whole elite switchability thing is for sure going to happen. I do wonder about his ability to play strong on the interior is he going to be a is he going to be a strong you know rim protector is like what level of players are going to push him around like obviously Jokic and Embiid are going to push him around they push everyone around but is he going to be able to hold his own against a Jonas Valanciunas a Nikola Vucevic you know is he going to be able is he going to be able to handle you know DHOs with Bam Adebayo is he going to be able to guard Carl Anthony Towns in a pop and then be able to like contest contest the pop and like shuffles feet to defend the drive I know those are all a lot of things to, to ask and he doesn't have to do all of them but it I just feel like the narrative is that he checks all of these defensive boxes and and I think he very well could I'm just not like the reason I have him behind Jalen Green is there's enough question marks for me within his greatest skill set which is his defense to make me be like I don't need to have this player. I, I, if I'm Houston, I don't need to take Evan Mobley. Sure. I disagree. I want, you, I, dis- I want you to disagree. I disagree with you on the defense. Okay. I, I think he's got – I think he's got everything you look for in a defensive center, especially mm-hmm. in the NBA. Like, you watch the, you watch the playoffs. Having guys like Brooke Lopez and mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert and these centers who are – really good like you know high paid they call them top five top 10 centers who you can't play in the nba or in the playoff games i think usc didn't switch as much as florida state did but when they did i thought he was awesome on switches he protected the rim really well he didn't foul he averaged like one foul game and three blocks a game um i think he can play on the perimeter i think he can he's gonna get stronger if for sure look if he's got the same body four years from now I'll be shocked and I'll probably be wrong about him. But I think a guy like that who's really young, who's been around the NBA his entire life with his dad, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's a really hardworking kid. I'm going to bet on that. I'm going to bet he's going to get 
a lot stronger. He's going to change his body like Joel Embiid did, like we saw Giannis do. Probably not to that extent, but like these yeah. guys, he's going to get, he's going to fill out. He's a teenager. Totally. Like, so he's already, I think he's an unbelievable defender. He rarely made mistakes. He, you can play him. I think if you have a big, slower center, like you could play him with one of those centers or have him be your rim protecting center. Like, I just think, I think, I, I think Jalen Green's got a ton of potential, and that's why he's, that's why I gave him a slight nod. I am l- least concerned about Evan Mobley. Let's uh, okay, okay. I I'm I'm with that, and I'm mostly like playing devil's advocate, not just to you, but to just my notes are. I I hear I read things, I hear things, and I put them up against you know what the film that I've watched, and. And it, it just kind of sticks out to me a little bit. And the one thing a lot of people have said, what you just said, is, you know, he won't get played off the floor because he will be, you know, he will be switchable. And, you know, what happened to Rudy Gobert in the Clippers series, when, you know, that won't happen. 100% agree. But what if, what if somehow, he, somehow he's on the Toronto Raptors and the Raptors are playing the Sixers in the second round of the playoffs next year? Does he instead get played off the floor because he can't guard Joel Embiid in the post, you know, like is that is that a totally different thing than getting played off the floor? Because I mean, they had the Hawks had Okongwu guarding Embiid for part of the playoffs, and Okongwu mm-hmm. didn't like. Yeah, that's his only reason was to go in there and go. so Okongwu also weighs like thirty pounds more than him, which goes back to your point. He's going to eventually put on. That he's going to so, get bigger. So, yeah. like, is Embiid going to probably body him a couple times next yeah. year? Yeah. Um, would he it, get played off the floor? Is what I'm saying. Like, could you continue to play him if you're Toronto? He, who's their alternative? <laughs> I don't know. Good I'm point. actually asking. Yeah, like, like Kem Birch. <laughs> who? <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So I, I don't. Know. I just that that came to my mind too. That's all I'm saying is when people are like, "Oh, he, he's going to get played off the floor." Like these guys get played off the floor in pick and roll coverage. My my point is, is oftentimes I think we're were too hard on a lot of the guys like the, you know, the go bears and the, and the players like that when things do get small and they get spaced out and they get exposed a little bit. Um, yeah. I, you're, you're making good points. I just watch, I watch his defensive film and there's especially like the lack of fouling and the amount of shots he blocks. And like, he's the, de- the film is incredible. I, it, it's mostly, this is and just so like why a, wouldn't we bet on that? Mm-hmm. With when you have a seven foot teenager who's playing this unbelievable defense hey, and call, like, I don't know. I and, just, and for the record, I'm betting on it. I haven't met yeah, three. Yeah, I have, we, have, we both haven't met the, yeah. the exact same spot. It, I, another big concern for me I have is the shot translating. I, I think, again, to justify taking him in at two, to justify taking him over Jalen Green, I would want to feel confident that he's going to be able to be a big who not just shoots it, but. You know what I mean? Like the guy, he's he's obviously going to be a big who has the green light if he's left open from three. Yeah. But are you one of those bigs who has that green light and is making thirty two percent of those, or or are you big where it's like, oh, we got to scramble. You know, we got to scramble to get out there. Now, now he, I have this passing skill set. I can I can take you off the dribble. I can get your team in rotation. All those things. If he does have the shot there, now I, now you have a like now a he's multi level weapon. Now- yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I you know, I see a, I see a ton of potential there. I, I, I see, I, if you check that box for me, like, 
show me you're a, you're a threat on the perimeter to hit shots. Like star level offensive player. All right, player. so let me ask you a hypothetical, and we don't need to spend the, uh, too much more time on this. But at what if I said he's going to shoot X amount from three in his career? What number does that have to be for you to take him over Jalen Green? If I was like he's going to shoot thirty seven percent, thirty eight percent, thirty six percent, like what what number are you like? All right, fine. Uh, like, right? I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, like thirty seven percent. All right. Yeah, but I, again, I probably, I, that's probably I, where I would have it too. Right. I, I have those those guys close. I think I think what it just comes down to for me is is and, and I have questions about Jalen Green too. So I, I could just see it taking a little bit of time and and I question if the shot ever does come together at you know at a high level, which you know what a lot of people will counter with, like Anthony Davis. He doesn't shoot it well. No. He's dominant. And and defensively, a ton of people compare Evan Mobley to Anthony Davis as a, as a defensive player. And, and I could, I could see that happening too. Again, what I'm just, my, my whole point is, is, is I just don't think it's a lock that he's Anthony Davis. Oh no. Defensively. Fair. But you know what? Like the shot again, I'm not sure if he's going to be a good shooter. I, I don't hate his shot. I don't love his shot. Deandre Ayton don't love his shot. Right. Yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid, don't love his shot. Gobert, don't love his shot. There's a good point. Bam, don't love his shot. So you can go down the list. Like take, right, and Jokic wasn't making them until this correct. year. Correct. So, like, if he does get a shot, I think he's going to be one of the best centers in the league in a few years. If he doesn't, I still really like his passing. Mm-hmm. I like his offensive rebounding. I like his feel. Right. Because I do – I his the his passing is, is his best skill in offense, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. I, I'm really curious to see – how how his coach like utilizes that it's right. kind of a tricky thing to yeah. do at the five right totally like, is it is it going to be the is it going to be Giannis style where we just like four low and we're just kind of like back out run into yeah. him wait till somebody like digs and then you know pass out of it I, I'm that's going to be where the, that's going to be where the fit is right yes because it's going to be completely different based on right where he goes all right let's move on from Evan Mobley on to number four who is number four on your board. Number four for me is Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs. All right. I have Jalen Suggs five. Um, and I have Jonathan Kaminga four. Why do you have Jalen Suggs above Jonathan Kaminga? <laughs> Most people do. Yeah, I've, I think he, he's got a great combination of elite athleticism, elite skill. The shot is a little bit questionable, and he's just – a leader. He's super competitive. We saw it on the big stage in college. He's won literally everywhere he's been since totally. he's been in fifth grade. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just could Kaminga be better? Sure. Kaminga's, maybe maybe the better question Kaminga's is five I don't think for me. Yeah. So I just there are some guys that like I just I want to bet on and more mm. probably more than anything don't want to bet against. Right. And I think Suggs checks that box. Did you think about putting him over Mobley or Green at all? I think initially when we first did it, I I wasn't sure where those three would fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just when I went back and watched more, I I think it's really close. Right. But I no not not seriously. I think he's I think he's I feel I feel better about him being four than my two like where I have two and three. Right. If that makes sense. I I kind of the way I kind of had it was I have Cade in a tier by himself. I have Green and Mobley. In, a, in the second tier right there. And then I have Kaminga and, and Jalen Suggs at four or five. And I could 
see them both interchangeable. I mean, part of me putting Kaminga over Suggs is just feeling a little bullish on, you know, well, bullish on the film, but also just kind of bullish on the on this idea that he's he's dropping down. I, I see, I see Kaminga to be a player who has real star potential, like in the the way I watch him and with Jalen Suggs, I see a very likely path to being a very good player. I, I when we talked before, like you know Marcus Smart, that that type of player, but potentially you know potentially even more than that, but probably not, probably not a multiple time All Star. I, I I don't see that with Jalen Suggs, but I think he's somebody who will be on really good teams. Uh, well, I mean, obviously that kind of depends on on where you start, but just kind of like, isn't that the, the vibe you get with Marcus Smart? Like, of course that guy wound up on a team who's made the playoffs all these years in a row. He, he brings out or fills the holes of what the other players need him to fill. And, and that's not always the same thing. It's, it's, it's different things. I, yeah, the, I just, when I hear Marcus Smart, and I know he's really good. It just feels like a, a little bit of a slight. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think Jalen's a more talented basketball player than Marcus Smart. In terms of like, Marcus Smart isn't necessarily like, and again, you, I watched him more at Oklahoma State probably than I do in the NBA, but I just, I don't know, does, do they ever just give Marcus Smart the ball and let him run Boston's offense? Yeah, I, I think so. I think what it, it doesn't lead to very efficient offense a lot of time. He's a, you know, he can be a bit of a gunner, um, but he he runs a decent amount of like quote unquote point. Um, I I think. And I think that's what Suggs will do too. I guess I, what I kind of say it is, I think he's going to be an elite defensive player. I do too. In the in the way that Marcus Smart is, and I just I think more of the Drew Holiday type of guy mm-hmm. than the Marcus Smart type of guy. Sure, which is which is giving Suggs more credit as an offensive player. Yeah. Than than what Marcus Smart does. Yeah. I and I I, I could see that. Maybe. I mean, don't don't you think part of Suggs' offense? I mean. We're making it sound like it was bad last year. Like he didn't shoot it great from three, but it was still thirty six percent, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? I just don't think he's going to be a great offensive player in the NBA, which is fine. Which is fine. I, I'm just I'm standing by my shooting theory with him, and I would say that off- again because maybe people didn't listen to the other one. So I think it's so he shot thirty. I think I have it somewhere. I think he shot thirty six percent. Yeah, let's go okay. with thirty six. Might be thirty five something. Um, which isn't terrible for a guy who's that athletic mm-hmm. freshman year, but he's been, and I don't know if I, this is just my own theory. I'm not sure if this is right or not. No, I liked it. But a guy who's been that successful, that athletic, that physically, physically dominant his whole life growing up, he's never needed to shoot. And he's obviously really coordinated and he's like his, I think his shot looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know. Like he's again, he's never had to. So now he gets to the NBA I'm assuming he's going to live in the gym with that form, with his really good hand-eye coordination, with his... Just that he's never really worked on his shot all yeah. that much. and just the fact that he's been successful in literally everything else he's done. Right. I just, I don't know. I, I'm a believer in a shot, and if he can shoot upper 30s, low 40s from three, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with that, that too. I, I, I could see it. It's just like... I, like I'm not banking on it. I don't think I, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? It, it's obviously it's like, what's the percentage that you shoot this percentage, right? right. It, it's 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 all one of it's all one of those sort of things. I will say, I and you can again, you can say this about anybody who sh- goes off in one game, right? But the games he had the Iowa game where he made like seven or eight threes. He had a couple other games where he made five or six, 
and they, for me, that was when I was sort of like, okay, I can see what this is maybe going to look like because it was, you know, off the ball screen. It was the step backs. It was these, not just like guys go under screens cause I can't right. shoot type of threes, but it was these like high level tough shots that were going in with ease when he was feeling it. Right. And I, I'm just, I'm believing in he's going to get to a very capable, he's not going to be Steph or Clay, any right. like top notch shooter, but I'm buying, I'm buying it. I think he's going to be able to shoot it at a really good rate. And then you throw in everything else, his leadership, his defense, the way he can run a team, how good he is in transition. For sure. I, I think you just had this like really complete point guard. Right. No, I, 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 I see that. I totally see that too. And then just the only reason I have Kaminga over him, which I know is not a, a popular opinion, is I just do think there's this world that's not crazy where Kaminga can be a, like a, a, a star level player. What? To I, why do you think Kaminga's falling? Do you think it's something non basketball related? I, I think it's got to be to to some degree. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like the Jalen Johnson thing, but I don't get it. Comp- how it could be as bad as that? Like, yeah, I'm sure he's. Can he's, we move on to him because he's five on mine now? Okay, yeah. I, I think for me, I don't know what any of the background stuff is. You don't know any of the background stuff on it. I'm going off of what the film is with Jonathan Kaminga and what I think is important in the NBA. And I see a six foot eight, seven foot one wingspan guy who's already weighs 225 pounds at 18 years old. And, and I think the stats that came out of the G league bubble with him, where he shot like 25% from three and, and, you know, and he had, he had a lot of turnovers, that sort of thing. I think they indicate some level of rawness for him that he's just this like gangly small forward guy who might be able to like turn into something of harness. Like, no, like Jonathan Kaminga already has it. Like, He's got the bag already. He's he's got he's got, he, with an NBA size, you know, NBA size and athleticism right away. I he he looks to me like someone who likely will translate into being a star. Now the question is, how many years down the line is that going to take? How how long? Like, do you have to wait four years until until he starts really like recognizing that because he is so young right now? Um, I think that's a bit of a risk because now the rookie contract's up. Whereas Jalen Suggs, like I think Jalen Suggs will be a starting caliber player in the league, you know, pretty quickly. Um, so I think there's obviously there's more risk with Jonathan Kaminga. Just for me, I see a guy who can will be able to score at all three levels, has the chance to be able to score at all three levels while also being able to distribute the ball out of all three of those levels. And yes, initially there's going to be a lot of turnovers. There's going to be some bad decisions in there, but I like that he's making the decisions in, in the sure. first place from those spots. Do you, do you want to know what it's, who it sounds like you're describing right now? Andrew Wiggins? No. To me, and I was going to make this comparison to you. I'm glad you brought up those things. He feels like this year's version of Ant. Yeah. And let me explain why. Ant was this physical freak. 6'6", 220, jumps out of the gym. Kaminga's 6'8", 7-foot wingspan, also jumps out of the gym. They took these weird post-high school pass. Ant went to Georgia and won seven games. And both reclassified. And both reclassified. 
Kaminga goes to the Ignite team, which was weird. They both shot it terribly. They both we had concerns about Ant's work ethic, about his defense, about his decision making, all these things, and it almost felt like in me, especially more so than you, we looked more into that than just looking at his pure talents. And I think we, me, everybody else is doing the exact same thing with Kaminga where we've got these red flags. Does he play hard? Does he play defense? Does he take good shots? No, no, no. But at the end of the day, he's six, eight, seven foot wingspan. And I think if you give him the ball, he's going to get buckets. Yeah. And we might look back on this and be like, no kidding. He, no kidding. He played like shit. He was in the G league, probably (laughs) looking at a calendar every night, waiting to go to the NBA where it's actually going to matter. So I think we are literally, I think more so than anything, Kaminga reminds me so much of Ant. Totally. I Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I it's and and with that, he's still lower. He's still lower than those top three guys. And like Ant, and to be fair, Ant would be in this slot somewhere if he was in this sure. draft. For sure. So I it's th- not like we're comparing the number one overall pick in somewhere down the Ant would not be in the top. Yeah, if we're just going off draft. of his what he was 12 months Correct. ago, he would be in this Kaminga, Suggs, and Barnes area. Yes. That's that's where he would stack up his prospect. And that's and that's why it's like, I don't know, people are going to probably think I was like ripping on particularly Mobley there. Like, we we just have – there's, there's nothing wrong with having questions. It's about the guys, you know, proving those things wrong. Oftentimes, those questions end up, you know – Totally being proven right. wrong by the it, players. And, and to Ant's credit, Ant's first month was terrible, where we were yeah. like, maybe those concerns were real. For sure. And then, like we talked about in the last podcast, to his credit, he got much better. Mm-hmm. And could Kaminga have a terrible first month and then not get better? Sure. See, what I'm concerned about is if he does drop here, even if it's to like, even if he drops to like the Kings at nine or something, I would be concerned about Kaminga not getting the opportunities that Ant got. Right. The Ant's, like, biggest blessing of the season, we talked about this, is when D'Lo got hurt. 100%. D'Lo got hurt, so Ant got to run everything, and he got the ball, and he got... It's like, that's when it all flipped for Ant. It's going to be one of those things we look back, if Ant keeps on this trajectory, if he keeps improving, and Mm -hmm. he hopefully becomes an all-star, which we're going to look back on and say, Thank you, D'Lo, for taking that. And what if? (laughs) Because they were running running Ant as, like, this spot-up shooter who, Mm -hmm. like, maybe... That's what I'm concerned about with Kaminga, yeah. though, right? Like, so the, the my, Kings, I guess, my, what if you put him with Halliburton and Fox and guys like that, and you ask him to be like a role player or something like that? Yeah. I think he might get disinterested and start looking at the calendar again and whatever, right? Which Ant could have done the same thing. So you need mm-hmm. luck in these things too, for sure, right? You need a lot of luck. It's not. It's not. Oh, it's. I don't know. So I have him fifth, right? One behind you. I, mm-hmm. which is which high- makes us both higher on him than the consensus, right? right now, for sure, exactly. All right, that's the top five. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and hit these last nine. If you love listening to this show, what is stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There is no better place to host a podcast than at Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast, you just don't know where to start. Hustle is the perfect place for you. It's part of the program. You'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify's, the Googles, the Stitchers, all those other listening platforms. 
The best part is you can get all this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, well, Will, <laughs> to, uh, to restate what our big boards are here through the first five, I have Cade Cunningham, one, Jalen Green, two, Evan Mobley, three, Jonathan Kaminga, four, and Jalen Suggs, five. The only difference is that you have flopped Suggs into the four spot and Kaminga into the five. I'll move on here a little bit faster <laughs> through the <laughs> through the rest of this. Uh, Which is faster, but this is going to be a lot harder. For, this was harder it, for me. It was harder, except I, I feel less like, I don't know. It was really important to me to, to pin down what the five were yeah. in, in that order. Some of these, I think it's particularly at the end of the lottery. Um, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, I 10 or 12, there's no difference. Where in this, three and five were, were very different. I, I said before I started with there was a I had a tier of Cade, a tier of Green and Mobley, a tier of Kaminga and Suggs. My fourth tier, which I realize is way too many tiers for six players, is one player, one player alone, and it's Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is six. Is that I, who you had? No. I was Yes, I love it. I was going back and forth. I went with I went with James Booknight six. Love it. I uh Offense I James, Trumps offense trumps defense in this one again for me. I I I, I couldn't pull the trigger. I, I wanted to not have Scotty Barnes at, at six in mine, but as we'll get to with the rest of this rest of this class or rest of this lottery, it, it's a bunch of guys who have holes in their game that probably limit them to being role players. The only one who doesn't, who I think has star potential, like obviously everybody's got like one percent, but like there's a five or ten percent reality where one of the players does have like all-star potential and that's James Booknight. And, and so I, I flipped back and forth on that. <laughs> I'll let you talk about it in a second, but I just want to say with Scotty Barnes at six, I didn't think I was going to put him there because I do only project him to be like a high level role player. But when everyone else below him doesn't have much or any star potential, sure. I think it's okay sure. to put an elite level role player I, above book. I, I agree with that. I, I really like Scotty Barnes. I had him seventh. So just again, one off. Okay. Um, I love his defense. We talked, go back and listen to it. If you want to learn, hear more. I loved his defense. I loved how hard he played. I loved how smart he was, but to me, the offense is a big concern. Huge. It puts a, puts a cap on his upside. I didn't, I don't know if he's a great athlete. I don't know if he's going to be able to get by people on offense. Maybe I'm wrong there. But I just think offensively, he's just as of right now, he's kind of average. I don't know if, but defensively, I love him. I, I think he's great. Oh, he, he looked so annoying on defense. Like I would hate. He loved to be he loved, more, he loved defense more yeah. than anything. What What was really concerning for me about Scotty Barnes was, not, like obviously the three point shot is a major concern. He he can't. His shot is completely broken right now. He he might not even like be allowed to shoot threes in the NBA the first year. That like, that is what it is, and he's still like considered clearly a lottery prospect in this. What was concerning to me is that he didn't have like a counter of other things he could do when he was in spot up situations. 
right? You know what I mean? Like some guys, obviously Giannis is the, the best example of this. It's like he catches the ball above the break or at the top of the key and they're not respecting his spot up there. Well, he can just charge at you or like, or, you know, like different guys are going to come and be like, Oh, you're, you're giving me space here. Um, I'm going to use that space to create like Rondo was, was classic for that. Scotty Barnes, not only couldn't do anything when he couldn't make the threes he was taking, he couldn't really do anything in those spot up situations that I found like creative at all. And that's, that's what's concerning to me and concerning for when, when I hear people say that he's going to be like a point guard or, or a lead ball handler in that way. Maybe not yet, though. I, I, he, he needs to add some creativity offensively. I think I've got, a little bit, I've got a little bit of PTSD with Jared Culver, too. <laughs> yeah, all with the this, Timberwolves. <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I actually kind of like Culver, mainly because, again, the bias of the NCAA tournament, watching them make the run to the, to the title game. Right. Um, but, but, like, take out the names. We could be talking about Jared Culver in college, too. Yep. There's a little bit. I mean, there's, again, there's differences. But, like, are we sure that Barnes's shot isn't so bad that we're, in a couple of years, we're going to be like, how did we think he was the right? Unless he's like the Draymond version where he does literally everything else. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm with you on, the, on, on Culver there. I, I think the Wolves almost have another example of that too in Josh Kogi where right. where it's the same thing shots a zero um Kogi's a little bit more physical defensively like Barnes is even better than that like he he's more physical he's bigger he's longer he's maybe stronger than Josh is he's definitely stronger you know than than Culver is but the shot is is just as much of a zero so that's what I'm talking about once you get out of these top 5 guys it is the there are these philosophical questions of like all right Choose your choose your flaw, choose your flaw. Which ones like which flaws are acceptable in the NBA right now? Because for Barnes, it's he can't shoot. Shengun can't move. Giddy can't shoot. Like Davion Mitchell is six foot. Like you know, all these guys have you know have their flaws, and you kind of have to ask yourself like which one can our team protect most, or what which which of these flaws do we think is going to be further exposed in, in the league later on and. I guess I feel like with Scotty Barnes and that it like we're kind of finding ways to take care of that, like using them in the dunker, having using them as a screener more and more. Um, but yeah, it's a it's it's for sure an issue with them. Why tell me why you had book night over? I at the end of the day, I think offense trumps defense. I think mm-hmm. I just if guys are close, give me the better offensive player. And I think particularly in the NBA, particularly in the NBA. Actually, really at every level, <laughs> but Fair. but I just and we did book night last week. There's there's just this world that he is an elite offensive player in the NBA. Scores at all three levels, handles it, plays in the pick and roll. He's a pretty decent passer. He's got to get better in a lot of areas, but he shoots it really well. Not a great percentage, but shot at like ninety percent from the free throw line. I think his shot looks great. I think he projects as a pretty good shooter. He's got a good mix of the craftiness you want with a score with the different footworks, the different types of fadeaways you can lean. And then you also compound that with really good athleticism mm-hmm. and a pretty good handle. And I just think you've got a guy that might average 20 a game for his career. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I have him at seven as well. I mean, you'll hear the Jordan Clarkson comparison here a bunch 
And I think that's a fair, like, stylistic yeah. comparison. He's a bucket getter. I think right? he's going to get buckets. I think he's going to just be a flat-out scorer. But I think for you to put him at six or for me to put him at seven, we have to be believing that there is some, like, C.J. McCollum-level, like, upside, right? Where, where it's, it's, it's more than just this sixth-man guy here. It, it, it's a truly like dynamic offensive sure. player. And I, I see the outline of that in book night and he's the one guy more than anybody else. We talked about this too, that I would love to talk to coaches, mm-hmm. AAU coaches, high school coaches, watch him in a workout because I think, I think so much of his success, if he's like, like Devin Booker, I think for example, was obviously really skilled at Kentucky and I'm not comparing him to Devin mm-hmm. Booker. Devin Booker is just fresh in my mind, but that mm-hmm. type of like elite scorer Devin Booker has got this like competitiveness, this dog in him, this like hardworking, like, and had people known that, like, at, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I just think if he didn't have the mindset that he has, right. I don't know what, what type of player. So he, I, so I did these, like, they're having us do these media Zooms. Like, you can just get on the Zoom and ask these, the different prospects questions and stuff. And most of them are pretty boring. Like, Book Night was a riot. Like, he reminded me so much. I've, did a hundred of those with ant this year it's like the same thing just like super off the cuff like when you would ask a question he'd be like oh hey what's your name like what's up <laughs> which never happens to yeah. you know it, like th- those sort of things where there's just kind of like a he's a kid yeah he's just a kid which i don't know that doesn't that doesn't speak really yeah. to the to the dog in him at all but i've done enough of these things with enough but of these do you know people. what i mean right yeah because the talent the talent is there yeah i i think his game like kind of if you just watch the film on him, screams kind of selfish. Totally right. We made the we made the analogy. He I don't know what's the analogy the right word. He'd rather score. Yeah, yeah. Thirty and lose. Then is that an analogy? I yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, the game looks like that. It looks like he'd rather score thirty and lose. I think he's just a kid. Yeah. And I know one little Zoom interview or something should change that. If you I, if you took the best if you made a three minute YouTube clip of his best plays, yeah, it's insane. You he would be the best player in this draft. <laughs> it was he was uh Do you know what I mean? Between yeah. the threes, the dunks, the it, I'm I'm with you, man. He's the he's the last of the players he is seven for me, the last player that I that I rank that I think has like all star upside. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we're pretty we're on the same page so far. Yeah, we are. Uh, I got a feeling we're going to we get will, different here. We'll, we'll deviate here. Who is your number eight? So my eight is actually a guy we didn't talk about much wow. at all. Trey Murphy from Virginia. Wow, you had him yeah. all the way up there. Okay. I, I, watch, I, I haven't watched a ton of him. Um, I did watch – I actually watched some of him today just because, you know, kind of scrambling to get to the, to the rest of the prospects out of here. But tell me about him. Super long, good athlete, played at Virginia. Anybody who follows college basketball knows how good – that program is defensively. Mm-hmm. He's an awesome defender and maybe the best shooter in this draft. I think Corey Kispert gets a lot of that love. I think Trey Murphy is as good of a shooter, if not better. Shoots it hmm. with ease from deep. I think he's maybe you talk about this tier of guys being like, let's just get safe rotational, really mm-hmm. solid rotational players. I think he projects to be at the worst, a high level rotational guy just from three and D. But he's like six eight, six nine, long, yeah. athletic. Like if he adds anything else off the dribble, like now you're talking about a guy that you can run offense through. Um, but right now he doesn't have that at all. Does not right now it. it is just purely the shot. Really good defender right. and a really really good shooter, mm-hmm. and he's gonna play 
wherever he gets drafted, he's going to play. I'd be shocked if he's not playing 20 minutes a game next year. Why is he better than Moses Moody? I think he's longer. He's taller. He's a little bit more athletic. I think he shoots it better. I mean, Moses Moody is a good shooter, but he only shot mid thirties from three. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 36. uh, I think Trey Lance or Trey Lance, Trey Murphy, (laughs) Trey Murphy shot 43.3% from three at Virginia. Um, Again, the defense, Tony Bennett's system at Virginia, right. they're all those like all those guys are great defenders. Malcolm Brogdon, the guys who have come out of UVA sure. are, are really good defenders, and I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be awesome. He's one of my favorite players, in the, maybe maybe my favorite player in the draft. Interesting. Well, I'll I'll have to watch more than him. So if you prove to be super right, I want to be on the record that I hadn't watched enough before <laughs> before this happened. Uh, the player I have at eight is someone that we've both watched a ton of. Um, it's Davion Mitchell. Uh, again, similar to with Barnes, I didn't think I'd find myself like putting him this high. But then, as I again, as I go through these other prospects that are the late lottery guys, I, <laughs> I'm taking the dude who who looked awesome, who 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 looked absolutely awesome. Yes, he has his flaws. He's he's too small, and I'm gonna, I'm dinging him for that fact. Like. Yeah, if he was six I, five, he'd be in the NBA yeah, three years ago. I, I, I'm I'm acknowledging that I, there's a huge gap for me between like Davion Mitchell and Jalen Suggs as far as them being an NBA prospect. Yep. There just aren't a ton of guys that you can put, but you know, between them that that represents that gap. So I feel like I'm acknowledging that, but all these other guys in this range, they they have they have questions too. Yes, Mitchell's too small, but Giddy can't shoot. Shangun can't really move Wagner isn't exactly dynamic Keon Johnson super raw like Kisper is probably going to struggle to guard you know they, they all have these questions book night can't pass doesn't pass whatever like the list goes on uh, all of them you you can make a pretty you know you can make a pretty strong case against them and and with Davion Mitchell it's like yeah there, there might be some issues here but I, I just think there's going to be I know I'm going to get some some basic things out of him. I, I think he's going to make open catch and shoot threes. And I think he's going to guard his ass off on the ball. And right there, that that's Patrick Beverly, you know? And then if there is, if there's this sliver of more upside beyond that, that's worth eight to me in this class. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think Patrick Beverly, I, he's Davion Mitchell has more off the dribble than Patrick Beverly. For sure. Does. I think Davion Mitchell could be, again, depends where he goes. He could, be a sixth or seventh guy, your backup point guard playing meaningful minutes pretty much right away. I love him. I had him ninth. Oh, you did have him ninth? Yeah. So I had him again, one behind where you did. So we're not far off. I love him. It's, he's a hard guy not to like. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's just anybody who's watched him, anybody who watched Baylor this, this year, he's, he's just, he's nasty. He's just, he's a <laughs> hooper. You know what I mean? Like right. he's, he's, uh, we talked about it again on the last podcast, but there's a reason why Baylor, was so damn good, and they blew everybody out in the tournament. And so it's much because of Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell was leading that team. Mm-hmm. And when you have a guy like that, who guards like that, who scored like that, who is clearly the leader of the team, I, I don't know. He's just he's an easy it's, guy to root for. It's just the main knock will be his size, and it's just really hard for me to see his size being something that prevents him from playing in the league because his size does not prevent him from being able to guard at a high level. Right. And I'm not even really like factoring in much of my ranking to him, of him being here, of him being able to like get to the basket and finish. He did it at college. I don't even need him to be able to do that right. at the NBA level for me to have him at eight. 
So let's keep moving. Um, you had him at nine. Nine. So then, oh, who did you have at eight? Trey Murphy. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Who did you have at nine? I had Alperin Shengun at nine. You did. I did. Full disclosure, I only got to like 10 or 15 minutes worth of his film. Mm-hmm. I really liked him, but I just, I didn't yeah. feel like I'd watched enough to have a, so. Did you not put him in at all? He, no, I, but I have a note out behind my 14th pick that I have him mm-hmm. with two I, other guys. So I don't, I loved him, but I just didn't watch enough. And I, so. I don't think it's like. I don't think it's crazy to, um, you know, the, the, a lot of people have him like late lottery, lower than nine. I think nine is kind of higher on the upside. Actually, John Hollinger had him four. Really? Yeah. John Hollinger, former Grizzlies executive. And a lot they of like it, those Grizzlies big dudes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you and I were actually talking on the phone earlier today. A, a big reason for Hollinger having him that high is, is it's, it's what we talked about. He's like, when you win the MVP – in one of these leagues as an 18-year-old. And the Turkish league is like, you know, second or third, you know, best league overseas or whatever. It's a, it's a high-level league. And you're doing that as an 18-year-old and you're doing it against men. I mean, I think... I, and I you're think the physically comp- abusing the men. Yes. I, like, the competition that Shangun... This is just all like... A, this is all me like setting the land. It, the competition that he went against was better than the G League guys went against. Yes. And it was better than the the college guys went against. And he was an offensive machine for his teams. And and I think that it is likely that in time, again, he's 18, you know, he's going to have to, it's going to take a little bit of time, but that that he can be an offensive hub for an NBA team in, in a similar way because he can, you know, he can, you can run your offense through him and he can not only score but he can pass as well I mean initially when I hadn't really watched him I was kind of like what are we doing here wait we're gonna we're we're taking a back to the basket like Euro center who just like Al Jefferson's it like we really think that's a we really think that's a lottery player and I think he's kind of a little bit miscast it's not like dump it into the post all the time sometimes he's (laughs) which this is not going to be able to happen at the NBA, but he, he just like kind of catches the ball in different spots and finds his way into like physically taking advantages. It's a lot of time where he catches it on a short roll. And then rather than just like one bounce and going up and dunking on people, which you can't do, he finds a way to like use his body and kind of it's like Tyler Hansbrough. <laughs> it, 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 well, that's one of his physical comps. Is it? It is six ten, six eleven. Yeah, it, it, it is. But the difference is he's 18 when he comes out versus 22 sure. when, when hands broke did. From what I watched, you probably watched more than I did. He actually, he didn't shoot many outside shots in Turkey. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a really nice touch. Yeah. I would be shocked if that doesn't develop. And I think he did a lot. They did a lot more back to the basket stuff for him. But if he can get to the point where he still uses his nasty footwork and spin moves, but those moves start from the perimeter – so the spacing is still how it is in the modern NBA right, right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Instead of just throwing the, him on the block, which they they will do, but if he can get good at the kind of how Giannis gets into his post up, mm-hmm. where it's sure. catches behind the three point line, a couple hard dribbles, now Hit. you're on the block. Yeah. Now you do your stuff. Exactly. Uh, that's where I think he could be really, really good, and I'm I'm excited to watch more of him. I again, I I really liked him. Maybe, you know. I'm sure he probably would have been in my lottery if I watched more of him. Right. The one the concerning element I did have was that he is only six ten, 
not doesn't have a, a long wingspan, six ten, six eleven. Shoes or without shoes? Well, it's we don't even know. He didn't go I'm to the kidding. combine. He just said that yesterday on his thing that he's six ten with a six eleven wingspan. So they're trusting him there, but he doesn't look very big. He gets blocked a lot, like at times there, like. He doesn't. He didn't even look a lot bigger than the other centers that he was playing against in the right. Turkish league, which I think is a bit concerning, because you know a name that you'll hear is Nikola Vucevic for him there, and and the reality of the situation is if Nikola Vucevic was like the actual Nikola Vucevic was like coming out and in this class, like he would be in the the top five of of this class. Like Vucevic is, uh, you know a monster in that sort of way and 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 Shingun's a lot smaller than he is again 6'10 6'11 235 if that's what his measurements are well Vucevic was seven foot seven four and a half wingspan and 260 like 260 coming out can't you know, Cantor's 260 coming yeah. out like I guess what I'm just saying to people is, is don't think that this mammoth like Valanchunas type of right. guy he's not that he he's He's, he's smaller. He he's smaller, energetic, still strong. Will be a beast on the boards. He's like more. He's like Blake Griffin size. Yeah. He's like Kevin Love size. More more like that sort of thing. Mar- Markeith Morris size. Like, I'm I'm really curious to see how it plays out. But I see a world where he can be a team's offensive hub, and that amongst all these role players that we're talking about here. Like, how is his passing? Not. Not like Jokic or anything, but he, he, I mean, like good feel and knows. Yeah, like, good feel. He gets a little like overzealous. Like he's one of those guys who's like, you know, like backing down to the post. It does that, that like behind the back around the defender pass, like tries that a little bit too much. So he's, uh, is he like Cat where he tries to prove to everybody that he actually is a good pass or does he just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I think he's just a little wild, uh, which Cat is too. I, I think he'll be he'll be able to pass out of it as well. Like I think he's gonna be a really good offensive player. He's gonna be a zero yeah. defensively I, though. I, that, he's he's very fun to watch. I really enjoyed watching him, and I'm I know just for huge sellies. I know <laughs> nobody's complained more out of to the refs than the 10, 15 minutes I watched of his games. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot. Of, it, it's gonna be interesting. But again, the, the other guys we're going up against here, it's like I don't know. What whatever. <laughs> Number ten. You go with ten. Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy, okay. What what stood out to you? Size, IQ, handle, passing. Um, I have him eleven, by the way. So dude. I'm not going to come here with like some. Yeah, like, no, I, I disagree. I just think he's. I think you opened my eyes to it last year when we were talking about Lamelo, and I'm not comparing the two, but you kept hammering home having a guy who's six eight, mm-hmm. who can read and see the floor and make passes. I didn't realize how important that was in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so seeing how good LaMelo was at it and seeing how valuable that skill is, I think Josh Giddy is awesome at that. I think he's got a great feel. I think he's going to be a ton of fun to play with. I think yeah. he's super competitive. The two boxes I look for a lot, the the are you fun to play with and do you give a shit? I think he nails those. Um, and I think he didn't. he's not a great shooter, but I think, I mean, I think like – He's going to be a better shooter than, say, Ricky Rubio, mm-hmm. a guy like that. So, I don't know. I I think he's a lot like Rubio, and I know people like kind of poo-poo that a little bit. He's but, taller, but though. He's taller he, than Ricky. He, he's taller. And more he's athletic. taller, but I think that's like when you watch him play right now, it's it's natural to com- make that comparison. Yeah, but yes, 
but I think Giddy has more of like a shiftiness and a craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Ricky's just kind of like, <laughs> right, right, right. I'm trying to do this like thing right <laughs> now, but Ricky's not gonna like do anything off the dribble. And he also finished at the basket, which is to your is to your Giddy did. And Ricky never does. Is one of the, I love him, but he can't finish at the rim, and and that's where that's where I think Giddy's actually. What, what I'm more talking about is is the vision. And it, and it's like it's a little bit different than like Lamelo because Lamelo's like vision is like art. It sounds cliche, but it's like art, right? He's like an art, very artistic passer. Giddy is like his brain is working steps ahead of you, passer, and and like reading the weight of the floor and all those sort of things. Honestly, kind of reminds me of Lonzo Ball. Yeah, where where it, like I feel like when Lonzo's playing. He's oftentimes like as a passer, he's a step ahead. I loved Giddy as a passer. I, I really loved him as a passer. And if he was six three, I'd still probably be really into the passing. But that it's six eight, it's why he's a is why he's a lottery prospect in this. And he's eighteen years old. It's a lot of things I was talking about with Shengun too, right? There's this potential to be so much more yeah. because because athletically, I mean physically, he's going to be different. Like. 24 months from now that is just like a you know a, a fact with this so so I, uh, I I I'm totally with you there too I think he's someone to for sure take I, I think it's a, he's a guy that's going to be really coveted on draft night and and different teams are going to try and be like trading for him because he's someone you can plug in and feel confident about being a starter for your team for whatever the next 10 years yeah and I think I saw one mock draft today where they had and who knows what Golden State is going to do but if you get him with Steph and Clay and those guys. Like if you if you put other dudes around him where he mm-hmm. doesn't have to score a lot, it could be yeah. really fun. Um, Just ton of open looks for those guys. Like because right. he ton yeah. of open looks for Giddy well, probably, <laughs> particularly if Draymond's out there. Yeah, no, I, I but I we should say like I I think the shot's a pretty big concern. I kind of hated it. I kind of hated it. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd use the word hate. I don't love it. I probably I, shouldn't have used that either. It's just a little um, too harsh, but. But I do think he's got a little bit of a creativity to his shot, like his ability to get a shot off is. Mm-hmm. Which I hear you. Which always, I mean, the results weren't great last year. Um, but I, I mean, you're right. That's look. If he shot 42 percent from three, he'd be. We wouldn't be talking about him here. So that's the. But that's, that's the kind of my concern. point, though. The that's shot, the biggest concern. It doesn't look. It looks like a 31 percent. It does. Okay, that's all. I, I agree with that too. Okay, number ten for me. Giddy was 11 for me. Number 10 for me was Franz Wagner. Um, I, going back and watching, I liked him more than I, like him. Than I did. Uh, and maybe it was just like, I think he was one of those first role player guys yeah. that I watched in depth. And I was kind of like, oh, that's a role player. I'm, I'm excited to dig through the others to find guys, other guys who have more upside. Um, <laughs> there aren't a lot of those. Right. And so then you kind of are like, all right, like Franz is, is going to be a very competent two-way player. He's going to be able to defend and he's going to be able to take guys off the, the dribble offensively. He's big. And I think, I don't think he's going to be like a 40% shooter, but I think he's going to be a guy who you're going to have to respect from the perimeter. Definitely. Um, yeah. He, I like a, him a lot. I think, uh, yeah, he's solid. You have him? I had him 12. 12. I think he's just, he's really solid. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know what you're going to get. He doesn't really mess up. I think he's going to shoot it at a high enough level that like you said, he's going to be respectable. I think he's a, Awesome defender. Awesome defender. And I think he's got a – like, I just think you could play him at a couple different spots. I think 
Again, mm-hmm. I just think solid is the, the best way to describe it. Do you think he's going to be a guy where, again, let's give him like three years or whatever, and he's on the Hornets and they're playing, um, you know, they're playing Kawhi Leonard. Is he the guy who's guarding Kawhi Leonard? Do you think? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Or, or is he, or is he like the good defender who's? I think he's like the good the second defender. I think he's the good something. defender, really good team defender. Could throw him on the Kawhi Leonard okay. for a few possessions, but he's not going to be like. Dane, you go guard Kawhi yeah. for 48 minutes because mm-hmm. that's it's just a no-brainer. I don't know because he does See, lack that's a, what little my, bit a little of, bit of my pushback would be on when you say, I think he's going to be a great defender. Did I say great? I don't know. Maybe you said good. I, I just, I just don't he's want a people great to be conf- team defender. I, yeah, think he, I, think he's, I, I agree with that. I think he's a great team I, defender. But I think he's, he's going to get beat off the dribble. Mm-hmm. From guys who are just straight up faster than he is. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be due to a lack of IQ or effort or right. anything like that. But there's just going to be times where he gets beat. Yep. No, we're on the same page there. Um, okay. So I so I had him 12. So what are we on? 11? Yeah. Who was your 11? Should we recap? Should we recap yep. 6 through 10? Let's do it. Do, do your 6. My 6 through 10, James Booknight, Scotty Barnes, Trey Murphy, Virginia, uh, Davion Mitchell, Josh Giddy. My 6 through 10 was Scotty Barnes at 6, James Booknight at 7, Davion Mitchell at 8, Alpern Shengun at 9, Franz Wagner at 10. And then for me, I had Giddy at 11, but okay. we already talked about him. So who did you have a little bit? 11, I had Trey Mann from Florida, one of my other favorite guys in this draft, who I remember when we talked on the phone today, I watched a couple Florida games, and I really liked him. So he, I had him circled on guys I wanted to actually mm-hmm. dive into on Synergy because I knew he's projected – late teens early 20s maybe maybe late first for some people um but again i just think guys who are that skilled on offense who handle the ball a lot his handle is great he shot 40 percent from three really good percentage from the line he i forget the numbers from his floater but he had this awesome floater so he Hmm. scores at all three levels he grew two inches from his freshman year to his sophomore year gained 15 pounds like he's just I feel like he's one of those guys that's just kind of coming into his own. Mm-hmm. And even though he had a really good second year at Florida, I just – the way he's trending, right? The way he's trending from his freshman year to his sophomore year, bigger, stronger, shoots a shot up better. What's his role in the NBA, do you think? I mean, if I'm going to be really optimistic, it's probably your second wing score, second guard score. Like, mm-hmm. he reminds me, man, of, uh, of C.J. McCollum a little bit. Sure. And again, that's super optimistic. I yeah, get yeah. that. No, no, but I, just sort of that guy that isn't going to blow by you, but is nasty and can score literally from anywhere, right. uh, especially in that mid-range area. So I don't know. I I think he's going to score in the NBA. I think that's going to translate well. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. The role is going to depend, obviously, on his development, but he's going to he's going to be able to score. I I mean, you told me he was. You gave me the heads up that he was going to be in yours. So I just watched some of them today. I haven't haven't done any sort of deep dive on him. I was intrigued by it. I mean, he's a he's a bucket getter too. Like, and he's small. Like he, he's he's smaller, but like the shot looks. Would I be shocked if he's you know coming off the bench for somebody, and you know has a twenty five point game this year or next year? Like no, like that not at all. I think he's he's somebody who, or this year that's that could really be a score or he, he seems to have have that type of skill set so he was 11 for you yes, yes. I in front yeah wagner was 
Wagner was 12. Wagner was 12 for you? Yep. Um, for me, with 12, I went with Keon Johnson. Um, he's just... Wait, who's your 11? Sorry. My 11 was Josh Giddy. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, 11 sorry, was sorry. Giddy. Yep, 12, 12 was Keon Johnson. He, he's the last, as you're mining for like upside, in similar ways to that you were with Trey Mann, Keon Johnson's one of the most athletic prospects I've ever seen. Um, and that's not just like combine athletic where you're like, oh, you jump. I mean, that's what that's going to stick out to people is the 48 inch vertical or whatever it was. He's just he makes insane athletic plays, just like randomly rebounding the ball or jumping passing lanes. And if you if a player development staff is able to harness that in Keon Johnson and is able to like get some control of his like body offensively a little bit more. Um, and he, he's like a guard. So it's like, can we like control your mechanics as a shooter a little bit? Can we like consistently get to your mid range pull up? Can you, can you slow your body down enough to be just a catch and shoot three point shooter? If you can do some of those things and let him be a freak everywhere else, like, I don't know to me at this point, it's like, we're past the Shangun, who's got this, you know, some upside. We're past Giddy, who everyone seems to love as a prospect. Like the guys I have after him are all like kind of like three and D guys. Sure. Like uh, I, I actually like Corey Kisper to have him on on my thing here too. But I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll take Keon Johnson like over a dude who's just gonna like shoot it. Best case. I kept him off and I hope I'm wrong because yeah. he's like we talked about when we did his like he's really fun to watch. I just came back to the fact you're he's an unbelievable athlete that mm-hmm. plays really hard. But offensively, when you have a guy who's a little bit undersized, not great with the ball, not a great shooter. Right. I just I just don't know. Sure, he's going to have some unbelievable dunks. He's going to be on house of highlights. Like I can't wait for summer league because there's going to be some plays assuming he's playing in it that I just know are going to be unbelievable, (laughs) but I just in half court type offenses, I just, I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved him on defense. Like a lot of these guys plays really hard, but offensively, man, I just, yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) You know, I just, there's the, the twos and threes in the league and he's not a one, but those wing guys in the league are just so good on offense. And like, if you're not, mm-hmm. if you're not an elite, not I just elite, didn't hate the stroke that that was, I think that's the one thing that like kept him into my lottery for this yeah. is I didn't like hate the stroke. I, and that, yeah, <laughs> I hated the, I liked the mid range stroke, but he shot, uh, he's one of those guys that shoots it differently from three in, in mid range. And I just, I don't know. Just I, bad. <laughs> I can't get behind yeah. those guys again. Right. He he was a ton of fun to watch, mm-hmm. um, but I I have him with Sen, Shenguin, yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, with guys just just outside the honorable library. mentions, yeah. Um, all right, who did you have at thirteen? Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert. I had Kispert at fourteen. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell me about him. Great shooter. Uh, obviously, put in that Gonzaga program. I think I think with a lot of those Gonzaga guys, I think you could say the same thing about Suggs too. Like. They cancel each other out to some extent. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think Kispert, in a different system, would have put up even bigger numbers. I don't. Know. I think yeah. he's an elite shooter. He's a good athlete. Um, I think he's really smart. He moves well without the ball. He cuts well. 
everyone talks about the Joe Harris comparison. I think that's very warranted. I think they're they've got a lot of similarities. Um, I, I'm really interested with him about like what is if he what is he if he's not Joe Harris, right? Like what is the level down from Joe Harris for him look like? Because like, Joe Harris is awesome at that. Joe Harris made. He's catch and shoot threes this year. You know what Joe Harris shot on catch and shoot threes this year? Fifty one point five percent on like three hundred and thirty three. Yeah. That's insane. Is that good. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, and Joe Harris, why that's so valuable? It's not like there's not people in the world or in the NBA who can make threes at that high of a clip. What is rare is for somebody to be six foot six, six foot seven, be able to take it off the bounce a little bit, be able to guard a little bit, like. Joe Harris is an elite in this world shoot shooter, but he's also 6'6", and he can also attack the basket a little bit. And Court Kispert is the same size. Court Kispert, 6'7", 6'7", wingspan, 225. Joe Harris, when he came out, 6'6", 6'6", wingspan, 215. Like, a bigger, you know, a bigger wing. I'm just curious if he's not you know, an 11 out of 10 as a shooter like Joe Harris is, what is it? And the encouraging part I have to that is he is just so big that, I mean, he's Dylan Brooks' size. He's like Gary Trent Jr. with like 20 more pounds. There's... What if he is that elite shooter, though? Yeah. Well, then he's Joe Harris. But I think he does some other stuff, like like even, maybe even better than Harris. I think he's a yeah. better athlete. I think he moves better. I just... I don't know. I think... I do think he's Harris, better. He's yeah. better than Joe Harris was when Joe Harris was coming out of Virginia, for sure. You know what's a what's an interesting thing with some of these guys, like you know, like the the classic like white dude shooters who end up working. Uh, obviously, Harris people bring up Doug McDermott. It's interesting to me how some of those guys it takes them a couple teams to get there, like like Joe Harris, like wasn't anything and. It, it took a while. Yeah, it, took McDermott, it took McDermott a while too. And I'm, I'm curious why that happens because right. I, I think if we went back and read a Joe Harris, like profile or Doug at McDermott, right. It was, you know, high IQ player, like ready to contribute right away. Why does that, why does that not happen initially? And then eventually sure. happen? I, I don't know. I really, I really don't, I don't know have a good answer. That is. It's an interesting proposition if you're drafting him too, because man, that that's just a draft philosophy sort of thing. Like drafting anyone who might not be good and like while well, they're on the rookie contract and the leave, like right. What like what even is that? So I, I don't I don't know if that'll be if that'll be uh, Corey Kispert or not. I, I love the shot mechanics. I love the ability to do some things off the bounce and he plays well too. Like he's not a great passer, but he you his feel for the game, just like when to shoot, when to cut, when to pass. I just, I love the way he spaced mm-hmm. the floor. And I think his game, I just think it's going to translate. Like, I think he's going to be a similar player defensively though. Not good. Yeah. At least he's big. Yeah. Like everyone, like, but Hey, if you can shoot it like that, yeah. I don't know. Right. And, and people like Rabon Duncan Robinson defensively, you know, but he's like six, seven. And he like, survived in the finals two years ago with that yeah. like you can be like quote unquote bad defensively but if you're six i mean it's like luca right 
there, there's a bunch of guys who, if you're that big, you know, that, that makes a big difference. Sure. My 13 was Moses Moody. I, I went with him over Kispert. I think they're, you know, just because I, the, I went and watched more of the defensive film. He looks like he's going to be a really good defender. I think he's a couple steps down as a shooter from, from Kispert. Uh, probably less of an athlete than Kispert is. But, uh, but man, the, the wingspan, it's just like he just looks like he's going to be, you know, kind of like, uh, like Scotty Barnes, just a pest on the ball in that sort of way and a, and a, and a really strong on-ball defender, you know, your classic – your classic three and D, I think, is what you're is what you're looking at with Moody. Did you have him on yours? Fourteenth. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we went back. I actually I was going back and forth with, with him and Chris Duarte from Oregon. Yeah, I who, watched I, who I really like too. The film was awesome. I, I like him a lot, and I, yeah. I I so I was back and forth on those guys a lot. I wanted to pick Duarte, but I had watched more Moody, so it was a little bit of a cop out. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I watched I watched Duarte to, today to the film. I gotta I gotta read this for you though. I don't know if I, I wrote him down. I made a list of NBA players who who are younger than uh, <laughs> than Chris Duarte. Uh, one of which is Brandon Ingram. <laughs> oh my God. Brandon Ingram, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac, Bam Adebayo, and John Collins are all younger than Chris Duarte is. So that's wow. why I ultimately. Because yeah. I had a, I, it was like, yeah, my, my last three well, were, were Moody, scary. Kispert, and Duarte. But I, I really like the film, and uh, he's he's another guy that I think you could just kind of plug in early on. Yeah, don't could you totally see that with the Warriors? Yeah, at like fourteen. Yeah. yeah, should we recap him? Let's recap it. You want me to go? Yeah, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga. You want to do your top five or should I keep yes. Uh, I had Cade Cunningham one, Jalen Green two, Evan Mobley three, Jonathan Kaminga four, Jalen Suggs five. Six for me was James Booknight, seven, Scotty Barnes, eight, Trey Murphy, nine, Davion Mitchell, ten, Josh Giddy. Six for me was Scotty Barnes, seven was James Booknight, eight was Davion Mitchell, nine was Alperin Shengun, ten was Franz Wagner. Who are your last four? Eleven was Trey Mann from Florida, twelve was Franz Wagner. 13 was Corey Kispert, and 14 was slight edge. Well, not maybe more than a slight edge now, but Moses, after those ages, Moses Moody at 14. <laughs> and then I had Josh Giddy at 11, 12 Keon Johnson, 13 Moses Moody, 14 Corey Kispert. Will, uh, we're also going for an hour and a half now, so we'll, we'll wrap this up here. Um, if the Wolves land somebody, I'm going to bug you to uh, – you know, to do a film review and, and we'll get into that there. Um, I'm really excited to, to, to watch this draft class. And again, I recommend to anyone who like has stayed away from digging into prospects to like start doing it. it just if you're an NBA fan, I, I am like, you know, I mean, we've known each other for, forever. I've always been like, ah, I don't watch college. I don't do anything. It makes following the rookies so much more fun when you have these preconceived like opinions that, you know, are going to be wrong and all that. But it, it, it makes it way more fun to, like, turn on a Cavs game and watch Isaac Okoro when you probably wouldn't want to watch, uh, you know, a Cavs game. Something totally. like that. Totally. So, I appreciate you doing these. Of course. Happy to do it. Cool. Um, he's Will. You can follow him on Twitter at WDeberg14. I don't really know why you would want to do that. He never tweets. I Norm- normally just makes up. fun of me. Um, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I will be back. I think I'll be back just – Thursday night late we'll we'll talk about if something happens uh, with the wolves and if not maybe I'll wait till Friday to do something there as of right now I don't think there's a lot going on in the wolves front with the draft they have no first round pick no second round pick but who knows what Kirsten Rosas is up to so if something happens I'll be back later in the week um, until then I'm Dane
Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.